Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, joined alongside Justin Valenzuela for episode 58, where we're going to be talking about the conference championship weekend. We're going to hit on some of the NFL honors that's coming up this week, along with, you know, some quick hitters that are going on in the NFL. We're going to sweep the deck a little bit because we've got some things to talk about. Justin, how are we doing today? Jackson, doing pretty good. Uh, Got class in a couple hours, but, you know, just balling. Just chilling, man. I've been balling recently a little bit as well. I uh, I got to work my first swim meet for PSN. That was hype. Nice. I was a poolside reporter. You know how fun it is to interview swimmers? I know, Jackson. Enlighten me. I have yeah, no so clue. here's the thing, right? It doesn't sound that fun or it doesn't sound that interesting. Bro, going to a swim meet and sitting poolside may be one of the most fun things I've done on this campus. I'm not going to lie. It Maybe. was senior day. The boys got to show out. We had a lot of emotion in the air. And, you know, some of my interviews may or may not have ended up on Twitter. So that was kind of nice. That's far. That's far. Get yourself out there. You, you know what I did to start getting myself out there a little bit more, Jackson? What's up? So it's kind of a funny story. Um, When I was in, like, freshman, sophomore year of high school, my mother created a LinkedIn account for me, right? Money. She wanted me to start, you know, Networking, networking, getting my name out there and stuff. She used probably the goofiest picture of all time. It's <laughs> me. Um, my aunt got married my sophomore year of high school. I was like 5'4", with a suit that was way too big and curly hair down to my shoulders. And I just, I looked funny, to say the least. And she made it with my, one, my student email, which expires Yikes. once you graduate ha- high school. Yikes. And um, made her own password for it. And then she was doing it for me. <laughs> so, I, uh, cool, whatever, you know. I don't really got to do anything. I'm getting my name out there, networking, whatever. Your mom's S- getting your name working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, name she was doing there. it for me. That's awesome. Senior year comes and goes. My email no longer exists. Freshman freshman in college. I'm like, man, I need to get on LinkedIn. And she's like, I have a LinkedIn account for you. And I was like, awesome. Let's sign in. Email doesn't exist. Don't know my password. Can't recover my password because my email is unreachable. I went through this whole process, and then they said they would email my new email when it's ready. I got that email two days ago. That was over a year ago, dude. It took Jeez. them over a year to up- update my email. And I finally was able to fix my password and everything, update my profile picture, up- update all the media that I could have on my name and stuff like that. And I started networking. I networked with my boy Jackson Shank. I was going to say, I noticed that because th- I knew this story was going to end up with you sending a friend request to <laughs> yeah, me or something like that. I sent a friend request to you. I sent one to Seth Everett. I sent one to Jane McManus, just trying to uh, update it just a little bit. So that's what I'm doing now. But I just thought it was funny. It literally took over a year. It, all that's it was, wild, all man. they had to do was update my primary email. <laughs> it just took a year. Yeah, I, well, I'd forgotten about it, and then I'm going. I get an email on my phone. I'm like, "What? LinkedIn says I can update my email now? Like that was over a year ago that I tried <laughs> that. What the hell is going on? It's wild. It's wild, Jay. But hey, you know what? It took the Chiefs a year to beat the Bengals. So you know, not not all things happen as quickly as you'd like them to. Let's let's get into the storylines for this past weekend. The NFL, the AFC champions are the Kansas City Chiefs. What a surprise. Jackson said before the season, what was that, 14-3? and three, Or no, I said they were going to be 13-4, and four, that they were going to win the Super Bowl, and that Mahomes was going to be MVP. Well, two of those are pretty much locked in. 
So they had they went fourteen and three, and Mahomes is on track to be MVP. I don't think they can go any other way with that award. Yeah, it'd be very hard. And now they are in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles. But you know, I want to I want to highlight this game even more because it's probably the most complete team win I've seen from the Chiefs in close to a decade of watching the team. That's very true. Or over a decade of watching the team, right? Wait, so let's break it down. So you had offense. Defense, special teams, coaching, refereeing, all a complete. Oh, you're hilarious! Game. So you're one of those <laughs> kids who's gonna talk about the pinstripes as well. I think I think it was obviously a win is a win. Yeah, know? but if but I think the, I think the last play of the game was a complete blunder on the on uh, Osai. Uh, completely. Well, I know, but fault. that was a fair call. No, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying, but I think majority of the game, if you look at it, was extremely catered. Um, and it just sucks because refereeing does ruin big moments. But I think when it was all said and done, the Chiefs did deserve to win that game regardless. Uh, they had the ball with a timeout left and, you know, a minute to go. It, Pat Mahomes could do something with 13 seconds. You can't give him the ball near midfield with a minute. It's bound to end bad for you. I'll change your wording a little bit. I think it highlights bad officiating because it's an even bigger spotlight, right? Because I remember... Several weeks earlier into the year, the Chiefs losing a game to the Colts or quote-unquote losing a game to the Colts because there was a taunting penalty for Chris Jones saying something to Matt Ryan. Saying something. And that was a 15-yard penalty, right? Regardless, the Bengals still could have stopped the Chiefs, right? They could have stopped them on the last drive. They could have done all these other things. They had several opportunities. The Chiefs outplayed the Bengals. And here's the thing. Regardless of whether or not the calls may have swayed one way or the other, when you have Marcus Kemp catching balls in the fourth quarter after being elevated from the practice squad two seasons ago, and he's making the big plays, is it on the refs? Or is it on the fact that a team who got trashed on not only all season, but especially this past week, coming out, showing their grit, and stepping up in the biggest moments on the most unlikely of stages for guys who are rookies and for guys who are elevated off the practice squad and for someone who dropped three punts earlier in the season and then was put back in the biggest moment of his life, Sky Moore, who had that 30-yard return. So pump the brakes a little bit on the officiating. The Chiefs lost... Four receivers throughout this game. Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney, Justin Watson was inactive, and McCole Hardman had to leave the game as well. So Noah Gray, Jody Fortson, Travis Kelsey, and Marcus Kemp, along with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, were the five receiving options for Kansas City. And you're telling me that beat the Bengals secondary? Yeah. That shows a little bit more than just the officiating in this game. I want to highlight MVS, right? Because there, there are a lot of components. But, you know, a guy who everyone undervalued stepped up in one of the biggest games of his life with six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey did his Kelsey thing, but he was also dealing with back spasms that happened towards the end of the week. So he was playing through injury, 7 for 78 and a touchdown. Mahomes had a Mahomesian stat line on one leg in the playoffs, right, against a Bengals pass rush that was notably strong after watching last week in Buffalo. And then on the other side of the ball, talk about defense. The defensive line and the secondary stepped the F up for Kansas City. 
Chris Jones had the game of his life when it came to the postseason. He got his first two postseason sacks. He had never had one in his career up until that point. And the entire secondary gets a collective two picks, and there is only one corner in that secondary, Legereus Sneed, who has played more than a year in the NFL. He went down in the second quarter with a head injury and was out for the remainder of the game. So you had rookies dominating T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and making sure Joe Burrow was not able to succeed in an environment that, you know, he seemingly just owns, right? Burrowhead. Not right. anymore. It's it's amazing, Jackson. Like you said, Chris Jones, game of his life. Frank Clark collecting a sack, moving the third time in postseason sacks with 13 and a half. That is something I did not know. I'm not going to lie. That is, that is really impressive. But it's amazing what controlling the line of scrimmage can do for a team. You have these these terrifying weapons that keep defensive coordinators up at night in T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, obviously Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. But when you give a quarterback absolutely no time to even process what's going on the field, you reap in the benefits. Two picks, multiple sacks, and a W. Focusing on the defensive line was the greatest thing the Kansas City Chiefs could have done. Forget paying Tyreek Hill 30 mil a year. Forget you know, surrounding your quarterback with all, all these weapons when, you know, great quarterbacks find ways with less weapons. That's what they do. Um, fixating on the defensive line was and will be the trump card that got the Kansas City Chiefs here, I think. Shout out George Karlaftis, first postseason sack as well. But yeah, we uh, we overpay Frank Clark, but by God, does that man rush the quarterback well in the postseason. I don't know what it is. He just turns it up a notch. Speaking of turning it up a notch, Jackson, the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely crushed the San Francisco 49ers. Dang, I went 0 for 2 this week, man. <laughs> uh, both my picks ended up bowing out, but could you really blame the 49ers, man? They had for basically three quarters not a single quarterback to throw the football. It's just, it's sad. Why is the quarterback the Achilles heel of the 49ers? Is it because they were blessed with Joe Montana and then Steve Young back-to-back? Do you think that's it? They're just cursed forever now. I with, have with no, no idea. Quarterback. Kyle Shanahan just like he lives on a roster of injuries. I feel like because he had. I mean, he's drafted guys. They didn't have Elijah Mitchell for a lot of the season last year. Trey Sermon tore his ACL and stuff like that. Dude, not to mention def- most likely defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, injured his knee on a play he wasn't even in on. Right. He was standing on the sidelines and his knee got taken out by some rogue defender. Like. Why does this only happen to the 49ers, and why do they always seemingly dominate the regular season, get to the game, the game, the NFC Championship, to get to the Super Bowl, and then they lose. Then fall flat on their feet. Every single (laughs) year. I mean, last year it was the Rams. This year it's the Eagles. The year before it was, I want to say, they beat the Packers. I don't remember. But you get the point. You know, every year they seemingly they fall f- short. They fall short. It, now, does that fall on on Shanahan, or is it just the fact that every single year they are one of the most banged up rosters in the playoffs? <laughs> you can't you can't help losing. What was it? Four quarterbacks, three. Jimmy G. No, so it started with Trey, Jimmy G, Brock. Yeah, you can't you can't help losing three quarterbacks. And as as much as we say the Mc that a McDonald's, you know, drive-through worker could operate that offense. They clearly can't cuz Josh Johnson stepped in that game and he looked like a kid running away from the bully who was after his lunch money. Like he was nervous, he was fumbling perfect snaps. 
all this stuff, but it su- it sucks, man, because we didn't get to see Brock Purdy and his potential in this game because tore his UCL like that. And not only is that an injury, he we may not even see him next season because I think you were talking to me. He's yes. going to need Tommy John it's, surgery. Well, it's not confirmed, but a specialist that he saw suggested. He get Tommy John. Um, obviously, second opinions and all of that stuff. Is he going to want to miss a year? Most likely not. Uh, my best guess is that he'll rush a surgery or get a surgery that isn't exactly what he needs um, because he knows he's most likely the starter if he's healthy because he earned that right to at least contend for it. But elbow is not going to be what it should be or what it used to be, which will most likely affect him in a negative way. So yeah. I would get the Tommy John if I were him, but if my job were on the it's line. All, it's also hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Let's let's flip it over, talk about the Eagles a little bit, because this team I think is on the other side of that lucky coin. They've had a cakewalk to the Super Bowl, to be quite frank. And, you know, when you match up against a lack of quarterback production such as an injured Brock Purdy, you can't throw the ball, Daniel Jones and those kind of not not lackluster O-lines, but, I mean, the 49ers have a solid O-line. Giants, not so much. How do you how do you transition from that level of intensity and competition to, oh my gosh, we got to play Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field? Yeah, that's going to be hard. And one thing I'm thinking about, if you compare, obviously, Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy, slash one-armed Brock Purdy, slash Josh Johnson, and Daniel Jones. Uh, and then on the other side of it, you take on Trevor Lawrence, who I think you could immediately argue is the second best quarterback in the NFC playoffs if you were in the NFC, and Joe Burrow, who I think you would say is the best quarterback if he were to be playing in the NFC. If you look at all of the quarterbacks, excluding Tyler Huntley because of injury and Skylar Thompson because of injury, I think all of the quarterbacks in the AFC, you could make a legitimate argument to be the best or the second best quarterback in the NFC playoffs. Um, so it's definitely definitely a different road to get there and I think that preparation that you're going to need to take on a guy like Pat Mahomes who is the best quarterback in the league it's going to be severely different and I don't know if the Eagles are going to be up for that task and on the flip side the Chiefs had to take on Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow now you're taking on Jalen Hurts who seemingly is limited as a passer at least from my evaluation it's definitely going to be hard for the Eagles, I would say. That's another thing that I wanted to mention because we didn't see a lot of it in this Eagles 49ers game. And we we saw early early shots down the field from Jalen Hurts, but he wasn't connecting on a lot of his passes. I mean, he had a mediocre stat line, threw for under 200 yards, and, you know, his, his running back kind of got there, or his running game kind of got them the win with how dominant their offensive line is. But... I mean, it looks a lot like the Jimmy G NFC Championship of 2019 where they just ran all over the Packers and the quarterback didn't play, you know, to the standard that you would see a quarterback needing to will his team to win. I mean, this is a Super Bowl. You're going to have, unless unless the defense were to just come out and completely lock down the Kansas City Chiefs and you're to, up, you're to go up 35 to nothing, excuse me, God forbid, you are going to need to compete at a high level. And we haven't seen, especially since that shoulder injury, Jalen Hurts compete to the level that I think that Eagles will need him to compete to here in two weeks. Yeah, I think it's safe to say the Eagles are in the Super Bowl because they are the most complete roster in the NFL. I think it's safe to say that easily. 
whereas the Chiefs are there because of Patrick Mahomes and the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. So what prevails, the best roster in football or the best quarterback in football? I think Tom Brady has shown us time and time <laughs> and time again that the best quarterback is the one who comes out on top. So I'll be very interested to see what Pat Mahomes does on the Super Bowl. I'll be excited to see a healthy team on both sides. You know, we have two weeks now for to see both teams get healthy. Jalen Hurts to figure out his shoulder. Pat Mahomes to figure out his ankle. Juju to figure out his knee. Kadarius Toney to figure out his ankle. McCole Hardman has a pelvis injury. All this other stuff. And Kelsey to get 100% from his back, right? You have all these injuries and you have two weeks off. So... It's going to be about the preparation in the Kelsey versus Kelsey Bowl, the Andy Reid Revenge Tour. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what else to call it. The two, I would say, most psychotic yet heart-driven groups of fans when it comes to when it comes down to it. I mean, the Bills are up there, but you know they're not in this scenario, right? You have. One of the loudest stadiums, if not the loudest stadium in the country, or actually the loudest stadium in the country when measured, versus Philadelphia, who's known for greasing their poles and jumping on them. And, like, I saw videos on Twitter of people falling through bus stop areas. So it's going to be a wild ride in Glendale, Arizona, and I'm excited to see both teams healthy. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the NFL honors. We're going to just kind of run through the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight awards here that are going to be shouted out this Sunday night. And yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Most valuable player. Justin, what are we thinking? Uh, it's kind of a toss up um, <laughs> between Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Ironically, both quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, I think. I'm going to go with Pat Mahomes, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Hurts win it. Um, but I do think I'm going to go Pat Mahomes. Oh, you're serious? Oh, yeah. I think it's a little closer than you think. No, give me give me Pat Mahomes. Yeah, uh, I'm, he, I'm also rocking with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, Pat Mahomes clears. And I, I hate to break it to you, Jalen didn't play two games. That's part of it. It's gonna That's going to hurt him. Yeah, but that also will most likely factor in. Yeah. So, Defensive Player of the Year. I think you and I are going a little different on this one. And I have some reasons. But go ahead. I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. Led the league by two and a half sacks. It's predominantly edge rushers that win this award. Um, my pick, Micah Parsons, had somewhat of a down year. Still extremely versatile. But I think when you look at his stat, his stats, uh, he, he dropped by like six, six and a half sacks. Obviously, he was asked to do a lot more as a linebacker and dropping into coverage and stuff. But I think when you look at the award, generally speaking, stats, uh, not stats, sacks, are what win you with the award. So because of that, I'm going with Bosa. Yeah, I would I would like to say that, but I think it's more impressive for a D tackle to nearly match that. And that's why I'm going to go with Chris Jones. I don't mean to be a homer here. This is a legitimate pick for me because here's the thing. Aaron Donald won this award in 2017 when he had 11 sacks as a D tackle. Now in 2018, he, he stepped his game up and had 20 and a half. Don't get me wrong, right? But he also did that. He also he also won the award in 2020, and he had 13 and a half. Chris Jones has 15 and a half sacks. Two out of those three years, he's had more than two sacks than Aaron Donald in those situations. And I think it's more impressive as a guy who's constantly doubled to win this award because he Chris Jones has two less sacks than Nick Bosa, right? But at the same time, Nick Bosa is not lining up against 
the guard and the center, right? He's not getting double teamed. Yes, you can chip with the with a running back, and yes, you can have a tight end, but taking on two guys who are equal, if not bigger size than you, and having to get by them and get the quarterback, I think that's more impressive, and that's why I'm going to give the edge to Chris Jones here. All right, AP Offensive Player of the Year. Justin, who do we got? I'm going to rock with Jalen Hurts um, simply because I think the MVP the MVP race is close, but uh, Mahomes takes that. I think Hurts takes the Offensive Player of the Year. So I think this is more or less the non-QB award, which is why, or like the non-QB offensive award, which is why I'm going to give it to Justin Jefferson. I mean, you have a wide receiver who is quote-unquote in the conversation for MVP, according according to the statistics he was a finalist, but I think it's going to be almost how it was last year where a quarterback wins MVP and then a wide receiver wins Offensive Player of the Year as Cooper Cup did a year ago. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jay, I was going to argue with Kenneth Walker here, but I just can't. Give me Garrett Wilson, baby. Give me Garrett Wilson, man. Probably <laughs> the worst quarterback situation for a wide receiver to be in, and yeah, he and still mm-hmm. produced over a thousand yards, almost a hundred receptions, four touchdowns, uh, led receivers in every statistical category. So you gotta gotta give it to my boy, G Dub seventeen. Yeah, and I think the more clear winner is on the defensive side of your team as well. I'm taking the Jets to sweep the offensive and defensive rookie of the year just signify how dynamic this draft class was for him and how how much of a home run Joe Douglas hit in this draft. I mean, Justin and I witnessed it live at MetLife. When he took Sauce and when he took Garrett Wilson, Justin and I didn't know what to think. Like, obviously, we loved the picks, but at the same time, we didn't know how it was going to play out. This draft class was a home run by Joe, by Joe Douglas. Give me Sauce Gardner for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Give me sauce, give the Jets the sweep, and I'll do you one better, Jackson. Imagine if Brees Hall was in this equation. Yeah, it's I, a, I think that's a clear sweep. Dude, this is a franchise-altering draft class. Yeah. I cannot wait for these guys to continue to develop. One thing I want to note, obviously, I'll have my little homer moment here. In the Jets-Dolphins Week 18 game, between the ferocious duel of Skylar Thompson and Joe Flacco. Uh, Garrett Wilson was, without a doubt, the best receiver on the field on that game. And that's with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle playing. And that's just with his rookie year. These guys have been here for a while. Well, not a while for Jalen Waddle, but, you know, cemented themselves. I cannot wait to see what Garrett Wilson has with a better, uh, better thrower of the football. <laughs> um, next year, I cannot wait to see what he does. And Sauce, I cannot wait to see what he does because he's only going to get better. It, it, whew, and Brees Hall's back. Oh my God, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting, man. Don't get this man too excited. All right, let's let's talk about comeback player of the year. Hey, Brees Hall could be in this conversation. He really next could. Season. He really could next year. Absolutely. But this year, I'm going to give it to the former Jet legend Geno Smith. He breaks the record for most passing yards in a single season by a Seahawks quarterback. After not playing for seven years, give me Geno Smith, man. Comeback player of the year. Shout out Geno, but I'm a rock with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Geno definitely fizzled out towards the end of the season. I think the hype train died down a lot. Uh, Whereas Christian McCaffrey was probably the heart and soul the second he stepped into San Francisco, the heart and soul of that team. And he tried his best to put his team on the back, man. That one touchdown run against the Eagles was a ferocious 
yeah, get off a nasty of me, run. break five tackles, and just steamroll into the end zone. But in a game where your quarterback can't throw and the defense knows your quarterback can't throw, they're just going to stack the box and then you can't really do anything. But I think his regular season, the second he got traded, was electric. Give me Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, he was really dominant, and I think the Niners went something like 12-0 and after adding them to the roster yep. up until they inevitably lost in the NFC Championship game. So that's something to note as well. But I wanted to mention this because I saw on Twitter the other day the like why well, I was scrolling through Twitter during the game because it was a blowout, right? Christian McCaffrey makes that run, right? And instantly afterwards, have you ever seen the longest yard with Adam Sandler? Yeah. Right. That scene where the uh, the guy's gaining like 12 yards a carry for the uh, for the guards team. And then basically he takes his helmet off, walks over to the sideline and goes, that's how a white man runs the football. Like it was such like it was a racist thing in the movie, but it was so funny because they put that right after they put that right after the video of him just running through like six guys. And then it was like Christian McCaffrey walking over to the Eagles sideline. It's like that's how a white man runs the football. I thought that was hilarious because it was a dog of a run. Christian McCaffrey, he should. Yeah, that should be an angry run. Probably definitely the week. angry run. So Kyle, Kyle Brandt, you know, if you're listening, on the off chance that you're listening, go ahead and uh, put CMC up there for us. All right, coach of the year, bro. I feel like none of neither of us here are going with like the pick that everyone's talking about. Yeah. Neither of us are picking Brian Dable. Uh, yeah, I just can't, man. I can't. <laughs> well, you're. I can't. It's different with you. I can't. You, I can't bring. I can't fan. bring my heart to do it. One, but two, Brian Dable. Took a four-win Giants team to a nine-win Giants team. And won a playoff that game. That got embarrassed. Okay, yeah, they won a playoff game. Nick Sirianni is in the Super Bowl, but whatever. Uh, it's a regular season it's award. It's a regular season award. That's you're right, you're right. I'm okay. saying this. Brian Dable took a four-win team and got them to a nine-win team. Nick Sirianni's rookie year, he took a four-win Eagles team to a nine-win Eagles team and did not win coach of the year. That was given to Mike Vrabel, who had the one seed. Uh, this year... Took him to 14 wins. That's the same margin of improvement. Five wins for both teams. It's also 14 wins. 14 wins and the number one seed? Come on, man. Give me Nick Sirianni for coach of the year. All right. I'm taking Kyle Shanahan purely because, one, I love his coaching style and the ability to have such a dynamic offense. And number two, having to deal with the 49ers medical staff all season. I mean, are you kidding me? You're just recycling quarterbacks as best as you can, able to go through Trey Lance, who you thought was going to be that guy, have a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes type of leap. Then, you know, you go back to old reliable Jimmy G. He starts cooking a little bit, and then the Dolphins game goes down, shatters his ankle, done for the year. Who do we got to do? Oh, yeah, by the way, Mr. Irrelevant is our third string, and oh, we're going to continue our four-game win streak and turn it into 12. So Brock Purdy stepping in and being able to do what he did but to prepare three different guys like Kyle Shanahan did to run an offense that special that deserves them to be coach that deserves him to be coach of the year end up winning their division and dominating the field after a after a learning curve of a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs so give me Kyle Shanahan for coach of the year all right assistant coach of the year I think Justin and I kind of threw this one on here because it's important because he just got a new head coaching job. D'Amico Ryans was our uh, our sweep for assistant coach of the year as he he built the he built and coached the number one defense in football. Sala left, D'Amico Ryans steps right in, implements just as good a system, if not better. Yep, 
Totally agree. And he was just handed a six-year contract to be head coach of a rebuilding football team. I think that says a lot. Shane Steichen, not a head coach. Ben Johnson, not a head coach. Yeah. D'Amico Ryan, I think, I think is the favorite for that. I also did not know this was an award until I read it. So that's also really cool. There you go. Got to recognize the assistant coaches as well. Well, anyway, make sure to watch the uh, the NFL Honors coming up this Sunday. I know it's one of my favorite times of the year because it recognizes, you know, the the best of the best. I mean, when you when you look at resumes at the at the end of someone's career, an MVP, an offensive player of the year, these are the awards that people are going to look up to. Not things like Pro Bowls and stuff like that. You got to look up to the the highest of highs and not kind of, you know, those those mid-tier level stats. So we'll see who comes out on top. Jay and I have obviously given you guys our predictions, so we'll see who's right and who's wrong, and I'm, I'll am i be I'll be watching it this Sunday. Yep, me too. Can't wait. All right, last but not least, let's sweep the deck a little bit. We got some things to talk about, and we just talked about D'Amico Ryans and everything that's going on with his job and the Texans, but there was another head coach that was – traded for actually recently Sean Payton has been welcomed to the Broncos country let's ride baby <laughs> I don't know Jackson I, I don't know Bro, the Broncos get out of the AFC West the Bronco, oh my gosh the, the Broncos yeah the AFC West just can the rich continue to get richer as they say but I don't know man the Broncos look great roster all around uh they acquired a first round pick the San Francisco 49ers pick, which would make it the 29th pick or 28th pick around there, um, which they are now giving to the Saints. So now the Saints have their own first-round pick because they give theirs to the Eagles foolishly. Ironic how that works. But I don't know, man. That's a lot for a head coach, and you already gave up a lot for Russ. We can hope and pray that Sean Payton fixes Russ and you know gets him back on track. But, man, I just don't know. If it doesn't work out, you guys are in extreme turmoil because you have no picks for a while. Your your few picks that you had, you now gave up because you don't have a first next year. You no longer have your second next year. You no longer have a first this year. Just ooh, it's, I'm just saying, especially with the way their roster is constructed, it's an old roster. You have young playmakers like um, Javante Williams and you know Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, but Russ is aging. Your defense is aging. Uh, Sertan is pretty solid, but outside of that, you have no pass rush. Your linebackers are pretty fluky. So I'm just saying things could get really ugly in Denver very fast. Hey, it's no surprise, man. A new regime of owner and GM want to win now. And they unfortunately decided to buy and work for a team that is in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. So you got to do everything in your power to make the roster that you think can compete now compete. I mean, everybody last year was like, oh my gosh, Broncos, get Russ, bam, instant playoff contender, instant Super Bowl level roster. Nah. So they got to bring in one of the best coaches of all time. I mean, this is a Hall of Fame coach, Super Bowl winning head coach, and turn Drew Brees, who had... Probably one of the most limited builds in football at 5'9", and 5'9", maybe 215, 220 pounds, and he couldn't run, and turned him into a Hall of Famer. So give Sean Payton some time. Let him let him see what he can do with his roster. I, I really think that good coaching trumps 
almost everything in this league outside of having a unicorn level of talent. So I think in regards to the Broncos' future, this was a great move by them. We'll have to see. What I think is a great move, though, is we already touched on him. D'Amico Ryan's six-year contract, you know, fan favorite playing in Houston. I absolutely love this hire, you know. There's a reason that the Denver Broncos interviewed him twice after he told them he was not interested uh, and then pivoted to Sean Payton. I think that says a lot. Uh, just a clearly a brilliant defensive mind, and I think he's going to be great for that culture down there. They need something. They need any glimpse of hope down there in Houston. Now they have potential to get their franchise guy and continue to build. They have the Browns picks, uh, and now they have their guy locked up for six years. I just pray they stay the course because a lot of these teams, they bail too quick, and I think guys need time to build teams, and they need time to build up that culture. So hopefully D'Amico's that guy. We'll see, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough because we are an off like the NFL is an offensive based league, and you have a defensive minded head coach. It's not a recipe for success. You saw how the AFC playoffs went. A lot of offensive minded coaches won their games, and then when it came down to it, you know the Bills versus the Bengals, who is gonna be that top dog? Zach Taylor completely out game planned Sean McDermott. So I think that's the one big worry here is you live in a world where. The offensive mind tends to win over the defensive mind more often than not. Other than that, like Justin said, if they can stay the course and let him develop a rookie quarterback, especially with a top three pick this year, you know, he could go crazy. And that AFC that AFC South division has Trevor Lawrence in it, but outside of that, it is wide open. So excited to see what he can do down in Houston. All right, Tom Brady retired for the second time. Justin and I wanted to hit on this because it's it's interesting. Uh, it's a year since he retired the first time, and I think this was long overdue, and unfortunately he has to do it a season after he fell short once again of what he wanted to accomplish. He had his first losing season in the NFL. A lot of things were not going Tom Brady's way this year. And I think he realized that, and the one catalyst behind that tended to be football. You know, he lost his family because of football. He didn't perform well as a team after his Super Bowl roster had a lot of turnover. And because of that, I think he realized the smart decision was to step away. I, I'd be interested to hear what his personal life is right now, because if he's trying to rebuild his family, if he's trying to spend time with his kids, maybe if he's trying to, you know, say, hey... You were right, wife. I should probably I should probably come back home, spend time with the kids, spend time with you. I'd be interested to see how that goes. But you know, all the all the blessings to him, man. Seven time Super Bowl champion, three time MVP, he's the GOAT. He is the GOAT. And finally I think it's it's time to say that his career is cemented. I I I really hope he doesn't come back because it only looks ten times worse for him to come back, even though this was such a sad time to retire. It was such a low point in his career. But yeah, if I mean I I would hate to see him I would hate to see him come back once again because I feel like there aren't too many places where he can go and if he does go somewhere I really don't want him to go to San Fran cuz I feel like that's the only opening for a quarterback situation that would fit him and I also wouldn't want to see him play on the Las Vegas Raiders either cuz that was the other opening that was kind of swinging that way. So all the blessings to Tom Brady and uh yeah, I really do hope he enjoys retirement. Yeah, me too. P's and Q's. The GOAT. Still hate him. Have no choice. But it's always sad to see a legend of the game go. 
But I think it's cool in the same way because you see all these young quarterbacks taking the league by storm. I mean, there's two quarterbacks. I mean, Jalen Hurts is, what, 24, 25? Pat Mahomes yep. only 27. And you look at the playoffs, I mean, obviously Tom Brady was the oldest, but coming out of the AFC, Pat Mahomes was the oldest at 27. So I think it's really cool. It's kind of like a passing of the torch almost. Just all these young quarterbacks taking the league by storm. It wasn't too long ago that, you know, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers were the young bucks taking the league by storm. So I think it's cool how everything comes full circle. A new generation for sure, but the one thing that kind of sad that came out of this this season when it came to AFC quarterbacks was the Pro Bowl choices. What is going on, man? Did you see yeah, that? I don't I don't know, bro. Everybody just opted out. So they're like, all right, we're Tyler Huntley, you're in. Derek Carr, don't deserve it, but you're in too. Tyler Huntley, dude. A backup That's quarterback. A, a backup quarterback who was maybe just above 500 this year. Yeah, he I, threw I, for, don't, I don't understand it. And this is this is more and more reason why the Pro Bowls are not are not going to matter. We we talked about how important, you know, certain records are or certain awards are on your resume. Pro Bowls are becoming more and more of a joke. Yep. And it, it's kind of sad to see because the NFL needs to kind of figure out their all-star game and improve it because it is is bad. It's falling short. Dude, in the regular season, he did not throw for over two. No, he did not throw for over 140 yards once. He threw for more interceptions than touchdowns. And he had an average QBR of like 45. That's a Pro Bowl quarterback for you, folks. Absolutely. Perfect representation of the... Where Where's Justin Herbert, dude? Whatever. I... I, I I don't know. It pisses me off. Pisses Dude, where me the off. hell is Mike White, man? Zach Wilson, <laughs> come on. The The league needs to do better, whether that is uh, change the fan voting or, you know, I mean, I know Pro Bowl is supposed to be about voting in your favorite players and stuff like that, but at least, like, a lot of people love the Geno story, but at least he performed well, right? Yeah. At least he took his team to the playoffs. So, whatever. P's and Q's to the... Uh, to the asterisk next to the uh the afc pro bowl quarterbacks this year but just wanted to mention that and hit on a few things going on around the league because we've been all business when it comes to these past couple episodes we've been kind of talking about the playoffs and been full head of steam into that we will have another episode out next week where we will preview the super bowl in full it will be more about just the super bowl than anything else if they're so any big news, we'll also hit on that in the NFL as well. But for that episode, or for this episode, that is it. So thank you all for listening. If you made it to the end, Justin and I appreciate it so much. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at underscore crow's nest underscore and follow us there to get updated on the latest content we create. But yeah, for now, that's it. So for Justin Valenzuela, my name is Jackson Shank. We will see you all next time. Peace.